God. Hopefully you are excited about the Word of God. Hopefully you're excited about your relationship with God. If you're not, you're in the right place. If you're down and discouraged, depressed, you're in the right place. If you're excited about your faith, you're in the right place. If you're, eh, you're in the right place. Because God's mercy and love didn't stop the day before you got discouraged, depressed, or man. God's mercy continues through all eternity. And God's mercy and grace is communicating to you through the fellowship and prayerfully through the word of God today. Amen. And so we are going to get into the word of God. So, again, however you take notes, you want to be prepared now. We're going to look at some scriptures. I'm feeling like I'm going to be talking super fast, and I apologize in advance for that, Carrie. So please forgive me for that. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, God Almighty. Lord of Lord, King of Kings. You are the creator and sustainer of life. You are the one who redeems your creation. You are the one who looks upon us and bestows upon us favor. And God, we are so humbled and grateful, those of us who have repented and been baptized, to have forgiveness found in Christ, to be able to have your Holy Spirit's indwelling, to have this rich fellowship. And God, we want to pour forth our praise to you, not only in our songs and in our prayers, but God, in how we interact with one another, but how we receive your message today. And God, I want your message to be spoken. May your word be heard, delivered, received. God, and that it, it, it not only uh, uh, is received, but God, it takes deep roots and produces a greater faith and produces the actions that will come about from following your will. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. So we started off the year uh, with this phrase here, uh, looking at, I'm not sure what, what's going on here with the, uh, with the slideshow there, but anyhow, we're, we're going to be talking about belief here today. We've been talking about belief. This is kind of our last week here. And we're talking today about belief that changes the world. You know, there's a lot of things that change the world. Technology changes the world, doesn't it? You know, our world looks different today than it did even five years ago because of the advancements of technology. Our world has changed because of uh, social, what do you call it, uprising or, or, or maybe uh, awareness, however you want to talk about it. Wars that go on, they change our world. But there's something even more powerful than all those things, and that is the belief that comes from Jesus. And that belief changes the world. And God's plan has always been since the fall of man, what's been coined as the fall of man, when God made humankind and then man decided to, to step outside of God's will, that's what we call the fall, when Adam and Eve decided to step outside of God's will. And then so now God has been on a mission ever since redeeming his creation back into his fold. And what's really incredible is that God has always, whether it's been before Christ's life on earth and his ministry to now, he's always chosen for his people to join him in this work of redeeming his creation. And so if you're a child of God, you have the honor and privilege of being a part of God's plan to redeem his creation. 
Creation that has stepped outside, and you and I were all part of that, who have stepped outside of his will, he's redeeming it back, and he's using people like you and me. And this is the belief that changes the world. You know, write this statement down. With belief, God's people can help change the world. Write that down. With belief, God's people can help change the world. Again, because this belief in Jesus has an impact. And as we have looked at and studied out for weeks now, and most of us have maybe had this reinforced, belief isn't an intellectual agreement or understanding that Jesus is the Son of God. Belief, it, it includes trust. I trust Jesus and his word. That means I'm willing to commit to a relationship with Jesus, and therefore I will follow his teachings and example. So when we talk about belief, it's, it's important that we understand that it means trust, total commitment, and a lifestyle of following. You guys with me here? And so when that is in place, when that is lived out to its fullest, the way God designed an impact has to take place. Think about this. Those of us who have made this decision to follow Jesus, when you made that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life, you repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and received the Holy Spirit. Did that not change your life? Of course. What happened first? Your views changed. So therefore, how you felt about life and people and things changed. So therefore, what happened? Then your what? Lifestyle changed. And that had an impact, not only upon you, but probably your circumstances and surroundings. For example, I know when I became a true Christian, that had an impact upon my family. Not so much that everybody was praising God, but now I decided I'm not going to do certain things that we used to do as a family. You guys get what I'm saying? And so I am going to do some things that I believe or in accordance with God's will. So that had an immediate impact on my family. And it produced some change. Now there's a sense of giving and generosity and, and, and service in our family that hadn't taken place before God had changed my life. That had an impact upon my relationships. Hey, instead of us going to the club trying to hook up with as many girls as possible, hey man, I'll go to TJF Fridays with you and talk about what God is doing in my life. And so, let's just say some of those friends didn't want to hang out with me as much. You guys get what I'm saying? But there was an automatic change, not only upon me, but on those around me. You guys see what I'm saying? So when belief, true Christian biblical belief is lived out, a change takes place. And we see this change start to have a ripple effect upon not only our local surroundings and our circumstances, but then it has an impact globally. And so we're going to look inside, and we're going to look at this some more. Church, are you with me here? And again, God invites his people to join him in changing, impacting, and redeeming his world. Let's go to John chapter 14 here. Okay, here we go. When we truly know who we belong to, we will believe God's plans and purposes and will become who we were created to be. This has guided us throughout the year, and so we're finishing up this last part about belief. And so now, John 14 and verse 5 here, Jesus, he's entering 
the final moments of his, his life before his, res, uh, before his death. And so he's had some conversations with the disciples. They're in this room, and he just told them, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you guys. And he's talking about heaven, but they don't really kind of get what he's saying. And so we take it up here in verse 5, and the Bible reads, Thomas, who is one of Jesus' followers, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, this must be from the Lord because Daniel, uh, we didn't talk beforehand, but he read this uh, earlier for our communion. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Now check this out. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's stop right there. There's a whole lot there. Man, there's so much rich content right here. It would be great for us to examine and elaborate on every, every single phrase here, but we don't have time to do that, and we're looking within the context of belief that changed the world. Here's one thing, and we're going to break this down a little bit. Here's the thing that we can see here, is that God's will is to work through his people to change the world. And we see some of this in what Jesus reveals. Because he says this, he says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Jesus is saying it's automatic. The way you guys are, you're going to continue this and everybody afterwards is going to keep following me in the works that I have been doing. And the work that Jesus has done and is doing always changes the surrounding circumstances communities, neighborhoods, and the world. And so he says, whoever believes in me will do the works. Again, this belief and faith in Jesus isn't intellectual, but requires commitment, requires an action. And we see this connection between faith and works. You know, many Christian circles, they, they get so caught up on this idea of, well, works, they almost look down upon works and don't focus too much on works. And, and there's validity to that. But there's always a connection between our belief and our actions. They are inseparable. They go together. As it says in the book of James, show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by what I do. And so we have to always understand that this idea of just believing and that's okay is unbiblical because my belief changes my view, changes my heart, and changes my lifestyle and decisions. Church, are you with me there? And so again, we have to keep remembering this, but let's look at this some more here. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. What were the works of Jesus? Well, let's get a snapshot here in Matthew chapter 9 of Jesus' works and his lifestyle and his ministry. 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Okay, what is Jesus doing here? He's fulfilling God's plan here of what? Hey, we got to get the message out. We got to preach the good news. We need to have an impact. We need to help heal and help people. Not just only spiritually, but, but in their material or physical needs. And so there's not a separation between helping somebody spiritually and helping somebody out with their needs. They all go together when it comes to preaching the gospel. Church, are you with me? And so here, we see here, this is a snapshot. This is what Jesus' ministry is like. He's helping people. He's impacting people. He's helping people find the greatest change, which is finding salvation. He says, these are the works that are going to continue through those who believe in me. Let's go back on over to John chapter 14. You know, it says, whoever believes in me, that applies to all followers of Jesus. Whoever, that's you and that's me. That's pretty incredible. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things. You know, that's interesting. You know, it's kind of mind-boggling, which I'm sure it struck the disciples at the time when they heard this, like, what? What do you mean we're going to do greater things than you? You've raised people from the dead. You have healed people from sicknesses. You have literally made those who are blind to see the deaf have been able to hear. How can we do greater things than you? Well, Jesus, and we'll see this in a second, wasn't talking about necessarily um, the, 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 the quality of, of miracles and works being done, but really the scope and the quantity of the works being done will be greater. Because now it will be hundreds, thousands who will be doing this good work, and therefore the spread of the impact is even greater than what he did in his own personal ministry. Church, are you with me there? And so this is so cool that you and I, because this applies to you and me, we get a chance to be a part of this. That as we actually follow Jesus' teaching, as we share the good news, as we serve someone, as we help, as we encourage, as we help meet needs, we're actually part of this whole plan of doing greater things than Jesus. How incredible is that? You're not just a regular old Joe Christian or regular Jane Christian. You're part of God's plan to redeem his creation. What an opportunity. What, a, what an honor it is. And here's the incredible thing here is that when Jesus says this, they don't quite understand it, but they're going to actually participate in it. And we see that not only did it happen in their lives, but it has and still continues today to change the world. Look over here in Acts chapter 2. So Jesus had died, he resurrected. This day of Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles. They preach the first gospel message, which is, hey, because Jesus had actually died and resurrected. So this is the first time the gospel message gets preached. And so people hear it. They're inspired. They're like, okay, so what shall we do with this good news? This newfound belief that we have that Jesus is the Son of God. Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Before this, there's only 120 so followers of Jesus. After this moment, there's over 3,000. Is that pretty incredible? That, that's that's a greater work than what Jesus had. Jesus had fed 3,000. He had fed 5,000. However, none of, not all of those became followers of his. So we're already starting to see what Jesus said. Again, his word is always true. It never returns empty. It's already being fulfilled. We're seeing great things take place. Let's continue. Acts chapter 5. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Now we're about 5,000 followers of Jesus. And it says here, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Brothers and sisters, did you catch that? What's taking place? You got people going, whoa, this is incredible. People from outside of Jerusalem, we got to go see those followers of Jesus. They can provide some help. They keep talking about this Jesus guy, and it says people were like, man, if we could just have Peter's shadow touch one of my friends, he could be okay. That's some amazing belief right there, isn't it? And we see God do some amazing things, but all these things were just to cement and kind of co-sign in the message of the gospel. That Jesus is the Son of God. And so this was a co-signing here. But we see belief that changes the world. We continue in Acts chapter 19. It says, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, they came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. That amount is about, uh, let's see here, I, I think one is about a day's wages. So now they're saying how much it all cost was about 50, was it 50,000 days uh, wage, days of a wage here. You guys get what I'm saying? I probably messed that up. But that's a whole lot of money. And they're saying, hey, they were like, man, we're, we're, we're so transformed by this. Hey, let's burn all this stuff up publicly. There's an impact taking place, isn't there? We continue just a couple verses. About that time, there was a great disturbance about the way. That's what they used to call the church back then at this time. They call it the way because why? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so this says a silversmith named Demetrius who made his silver shrines of Artemis. That's when the Greek gods that, 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 the, uh, that they worship brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers and related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we received a good income from this business. And you see in here how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. 
See, God is using his people to have an impact, not just on the physical needs, not just on the emotional and the spiritual needs, but we're seeing that the culture and even the economy is affected. Guys are so worried. Wait a second. Our business is going to go out of business if this Christianity thing keeps spreading. Our livelihood is affected. So they go, man, we got to stop this. And so they, they try to rile up people to stop it. And so we're seeing the impact of what? Belief in Jesus. Not only will it affect people's souls, which is the greatest, but it has an impact upon lives. It has an impact upon the community, upon the culture, upon society, and even here upon the economy. But here's the incredible thing. Not only did it happen in the first century, but again, brothers and sisters, it has continued to take place. We even see here uh, this guy named Pliny the Younger, because uh, there's Pliny the Older and there's Pliny the Younger. He was a Roman uh, governor. And so Christianity is spreading. It spread from the time that Jesus died, and now here we are in the second century, and it's spreading all across the Roman, uh, uh, the empire here. And so he's having some problems because now there's, there's local forms of persecution of Christians. And he's like, uh, let me send this letter over to the emperor because I don't really know how to handle this newfound situation. So anyhow, he sends this letter, but one of the things he says as he's talking about the Christians and the impact they're having, he described it as being contagious and reaching not only the cities, but the countryside as well. He says, hey, Roman emperor, it's Trajan. Hey, this thing, it's spreading. And it's a threat not only to us in the city, but to those in the countryside as well. I don't know what to do. Can you please give me some direction? And so we're seeing that it didn't just take place in the first century, but in the second century, we know in the third century that Christianity even explodes even more so, all the way to the time you get to Constantine in which the Roman Empire is flipped completely upside down, and instead of persecuting Christians, is now the official, Christianity's official religion of the Roman Empire. Belief that changes the world. And Christians throughout the years, because of the generosity and hospitality, guess what gets created? Uh, a thing called hospitals. How many of you were born in a hospital? Most of you were. What were the names of those hospitals? Most of them, what? St. James, St. whatever the case may be, right? We talk about nonprofit organizations. All inspired, not all of them, but the, the major ones we can even think of the Red Cross and all these different ones, inspired by what? Belief in Jesus. You see, this has taken place not only in the first century, but it has been continuing to take place throughout all the centuries when there's true belief in Jesus. Just if you have some belief in Jesus, there's going to be a change in your local community. Brothers and sisters, do you hear what I'm saying? Even if we think about our own fellowship, when we think about what God has done in our own fellowship, and how he started with, with the number of disciples of Jesus throughout Texas and Florida to start going on college campuses and start campus ministries. And then it exploded into what we have now is an international fellowship. Having an impact across the globe. You know, I want to share something. Because this change, God is still changing the world today through disciples of Jesus all across the world. And I heard some really good news at the, at the conference, and I wanted to share this with you here. One of the brothers uh, who leads one of the churches out in the Philippines, he, uh, he, he was sharing some good news, and he talked about uh, one of the ministers who, who um, 
Uh, I think that's him. Yeah, that's him on the left there. And they started these things they call squad leaders. So the, the minister that, that, that's there, he's actually going around. And what he's doing is he's teaching godly values to policemen. And so now it's set up here in which he goes and he teaches godly values for police officers. So, so what they're learning is instead of taking bribes, you should be a man of integrity and morality. And so there's 300, over 300 people in attendance on Zoom and 50 in person. And now they have, I believe, six of these going on in six different police departments. You see, God's doing some change there, right? And so now they're saying, hey, instead of I, you know, I took some money from this guy, I'm, you know what, I, I, I didn't give him a ticket. You, you know what I'm saying? And some of us are like, can we get some of those here? And we're seeing an impact. And then also what the brother shared is that, that uh, uh, several years ago, uh, in 2019, uh, one of the brothers in our, in our fellowship out there, he is a journalist. And so as a journalist, he, uh, he wrote something that the, uh, I think it was a president or something, it might have been a president, governor, I don't know who it was, I can't remember right now. He didn't appreciate, so he had him thrown into jail and sentenced him, I believe, to four years and a day. And so... The, so then the other brother has to go to jail. He was a journalist. And so now he's in jail. So they're trying to take care of the brother. And they realize, wait a second, let's not just take care of this brother. Let's see if God can move in the jails. And so we're seeing a couple. Uh, so they started a prison ministry in 2019. And uh, there's another picture. I, I, I didn't get a chance to put it on there and share. But the jails, I mean, it's terrible. So they have, uh, I, uh, they have 60 people in one cell. Now, it doesn't fit 60 people. He said it's so bad that people can't even sleep on beds, so people are ever just laying down or some have to kind of stand up or whatever because it's so packed. And so now they go in there and they start this prison ministry, so they start having Bible discussions, and they start talking about Jesus. And then some people decide they want to follow Jesus. And so now from 2019 to 2022, guess what God has done? 145 inmates got baptized. 145 inmates got baptized. How incredible is that? That is incredible. And so now what's happening after they get released, those who, who get baptized and get released, now the church is trying to help them find jobs and help them get acclimated back into society. Brothers and sisters, that's belief that changes the world. Then over in, you know, you all know what's going on in Ukraine. The brothers and sisters, you know, some of us have maybe been abreast of how the church has responded. It's been doing a fantastic job of being a light and shining. And so Sean Wooten, who, uh, who used to lead the church in Ukraine, who's now uh, setting up the, what we call Revive uh, 2.0 and trying to strengthen the churches over in Eastern Europe. He shared about how God has been moving in and through this circumstance and this crisis here. So we're going to show a quick video here of what Sean had to say of how the church is having an impact over there. Let's go ahead and let's share that video. Last thing I wanted to share. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. When Satan strikes hardest, we do not give in to hate. We do not give in to fear. We shine like stars. And this has led to so many people becoming Christians. One sister stood up in a bomb shelter when it was silent and there was fear and she said, let's just pray. They grabbed an empty school, started cooking meals and delivering meals to bomb shelters. 
That quickly led to bomb shelter baptisms. Amen, church? Since the team came back to Kishinev, there's a no-fly zone. We're landlocked. But the Revive team is out preaching the word to all the people living in Kishinev. One of the refugees that ended up in our refugee center, her name's Sveta. Uh, she was a doctor. She was there with her son. She started to see the fellowship in the atmosphere inside of this hotel. She started studying the Bible and Sveta became a Christian and then became the doctor for our refugee center. Then we had Ira, who is a professor at the Odessa University teaching Russian language. Uh, she, she is uh, totally excited about uh, all the things she's seeing and she starts to teach the Revive team how to speak Russian and she starts to study the Bible and she becomes a Christian. This video also is not gonna work, I'm sure. But this was a video, you would have seen a video of 18 people being baptized because we had weekly baptisms for four months in a row in the Kishinev Refugee Center. To close, every month on the 24th of every month, we pray and fast. I pray as a global fellowship for peace in the Ukraine. If you would have asked me to organize an event where we move 1,000 people from one country to 20 different countries and facilitate housing, food, logistics, and services for them for six months, I would have told you that's impossible. But when the need is there, this fellowship can do anything. Church of Christ is not the spiritual need of this world even more devastating than what we see in the Ukraine right now? Could we not close our eyes and not fix our eyes on what we see, but fix our eyes on what is unseen? And could we rally in a way as a global fellowship like we've never done before to save this world that's being ravaged by Satan? Church, Global Missions is not a presentation. It's the reason Jesus died on the cross. It's the reason you're sitting in this room. Let's do it for Christ, church. Let's give our hearts. Let's go all out. The need is now. The hour is now. God can work through us, and to God be the glory. I love you all. Thank you for the prayers and the support. Amen. You see, belief that changes the world didn't stop with the apostles. It didn't stop in the first, second, or third century, but it continues today. And we see even now with our brothers and sisters how it's transforming places, cultures, societies. And so now the question we have to ask ourselves is, how does God want to change the world through us? How does he want to change the world through us? How is he going to change our communities? through us, change our neighborhoods, our campuses, our complexes, our job sites, our schools. How does God want to change your situation? And some of you might be saying, well, I believe that's great, but I don't think I'm that special. I don't know if I can do that. I understand, but Jesus says, whoever, are you a whoever? Are you a whoever? Yes, you are a whoever. Now you're somebody special in somebody's eyes. In God's eyes and in my eyes. But God said, whoever believes. 
So you don't have to have a certain talent, degree, or background to qualify you to be used by God to change this world. All we got to do is what? Believe. And this is not intellectual belief. We understand that belief in what? Not in ourselves, not just in the concept of belief, not in, not in people. I don't even have belief just in the church. I don't have belief just in, and definitely not in, in, in government policies and programs and government officials. Our belief is in what? It's in Christ. When we believe in Christ, like Sean Woon said, the impossible can take place in and through us. Because we're believing in his ability. We're believing in his power, his will, his mission for his glory, not our own. And so when we believe in him, we'll be committed, we'll trust, and we'll take steps of faith to do what? To serve somebody in need, to share the good news in class, to go ahead and give some encouragement to people we see who are suffering. You see, we'll see a difference in impact Again, not just globally, but right in our own local communities. If God were to remove the church right now from Orange County, would we be missed? Would we be noticed? I believe God is reminding us, he's encouraging us to continue to be a part of his redeeming work to see this world change for the glory of Christ. Amen. We'll see broken families. Because there's broken families, hopeless teenagers, suicidal college students, women who are, who, are, who are grieving over the idea that they might give up their baby, alcoholics and drug addicts who need to hear the hope of Jesus and feel the love of God. And that's where you and I come in, in which we join God in his redemptive work. And so how can we be very practical in this? So here's some action steps for this week. So brothers and sisters, take a picture of you're the picture type or write this down here, okay? Here's what we, I'm calling us all to do here. Just this week here, let's start it off. Pray daily. So every day here, pray this prayer. Show me, Lord, where you are working and how you want me to join you. Show me where are you working and how do you want me to join you. Again, this isn't about us. This is about what God is doing and us joining God in his good work. And I trust and I believe and I know for certain as I prayed this myself, that God will then start to show you things in which you can then enter yourself and join him in. And so we pray this prayer every day. And then at whatever point he makes it obvious, follow his lead. Follow his lead. He's saying, go speak to that person. Go share something. Go, go offer up something. Whatever the case may be, maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's setting up a Bible study. Maybe it's serving someone, meeting a need. Whatever the case may be, God will open up some doors, and then we just have to walk through it and join him. And as we see that, we'll see a change in our world, our circumstances, our families, our relationships, our small groups, whatever the case may be. And we'll see then later on a tremendous global impact because every marathon starts with one stride. And so if we strive with, start with one stride of going and praying and then doing something, God will multiply those efforts to change our world and your world. And so I want you to imagine the impact God can make through us as a church. Imagine the broken families that would come together. 
Imagine the hurting marriages that would be restored. Imagine the student athletes on college campuses being known for respect and integrity instead of being wild and crazy. Imagine the foster kid gaining hope and graduating from Cal State Fullerton or Chapman University. Imagine the homeless person getting a job and the tears coming down when he walks into his new apartments. Imagine the conversations by the water cooler at work being about a Bible verse instead of the latest gossip. Imagine the guy in class talking about the upcoming devotional instead of the pretty girl that walked by. Imagine living on the same block with several disciples of Christ walking to a Bible discussion together. Imagine that classmate who was going to be a lawyer going on a mission team because you shared your faith with them. Imagine that family member on stage sharing about how Jesus has changed her life. Imagine all this happening when we live lives that truly believe in the name of Jesus. Let's close out in John chapter 14. Brothers and sisters, are you with me here? It says in John chapter 14, verse 12, you can go back there. There we go. John chapter 14, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we have belief that changes the world. Amen.